Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded NFL Sunday ticket this season. If you live in an area where DirecTV service is not available, you can now get NFL Sunday ticket without a satellite. To see if you are eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER, R-I-N-G-E-R, at checkout to save 15%. Exclusive discounts are available for students. Again, that's promo code RINGER, R-I-N-G-E-R. And we are also brought to you by Yahoo Fantasy Football. This NFL season, be your own GM, be a winning GM. Turn this season into a fistful of epic wins by joining a Yahoo Fantasy Football League. Yahoo has spent the offseason making serious upgrades to enhance your experience. So when you play fantasy football on Yahoo, the wins are as epic as the season is long. Yahoo Fantasy is also the only app where you can manage all of your season-long and daily fantasy teams in one place. Create or join the league now at yahoo.com slash football. And now, GM Street. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, it is August 22nd, and I am joined by Mr. Michael Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing? I'm great, Take Phrase. You know what Wednesday is? Wednesday is Hard Knocks Review. Can't wait. I've never watched the show until this year. And, you know, my sons, Mick and Matt, they've been on me. Like, they love it. And I refuse to watch it because I thought it was just too... I don't know. Maybe I, I was just being too ar- inside baseball. Maybe yeah. I don't or know. Maybe football. I was just being arrogant and just like you know that you know like I can't imagine that somebody's going to let you come in and tape stuff that's real, you know. And then I watched this year, and you know, and I got to be honest. I mean, it's like it's it's been it's been insightful. Maybe not in a great way, but in a way to where at least you get a look on the, on on the team. Yeah, it's a riveting entertainment. We get to see the Cleveland Browns uh, in full form. And I think just the drama that we get to witness every single week, the amount of characters that are on the show. I mean, just in this episode this week, we're on week three now. We get Brad Paisley, uh, a fan of the Cleveland Browns, will show up in this episode. We get a white Maserati. Uh, we get Greg Williams. How did Bob uh, Wiley – they, sh- they should have showed Wiley, like, getting in the Maserati. Look, I'm a fat guy. I understand. Getting in okay. the cars are hard for yeah. fat guys. So, like, how does he get in there? Like, I don't understand it. Like, that was – weird like i don't understand like that like you got to show me how he gets in does he have a shoehorn like what happens how's he like you know like it, does he parachute in the damn thing like it can't be comfortable for him i get we're, we're gonna get to all these right. many characters right and i want to start this podcast yes. by saying i don't hate you okay i know a lot of people on twitter think i hate you i don't hate you I, I i don't i respect coaches i do respect coaches however that being said it's hard for me to not be critical of a guy who's got a winning percentage of 188, and it puts him in line with the likes of Norb Hecker. Do you know who Norb Hecker is? Yeah, just, just the name. Nothing else about okay, him. Okay, Norb Hecker was the Packers coach for mm-hmm. a while. It didn't win. Hank Bulla puts him in with Phil Handler, Rod Dauhauer, the great Marty Morningwig, who's now the offensive court. I mean, like Hughes in some really bad company. Mm-hmm. Like, so like, it's hard for you to say positive things when you're talking about the Norb Heckers and the Hank Bullas. I mean, these are bad. These are guys that had bad head coaching records. that got fired and Hughes sitting over there. Like everything's good. Everything's fine. And you, and, and I'm not supposed to say anything like I don't hate them, but I think you have to evaluate it honestly. Well, we got into the, you know, the Hugh, Hugh did come out and say it's been hell for two years, right? He did. We did get a little bit of insight there. Uh, let's work our way back just through chronologically what happens in this episode. So we open it up. We get Jarvis Landry. Uh, this is the intro to the episode, uh, you know, with the the classic don't start that bullshit with me, boy, uh, you know, going up, trying to be the tough guy in practice. We see a little scuffle in practice. 
Can, can we debunk the narrative about uh, fights and football practices being a big deal, Lombardi? How many are there every single practice? At least three, from what I can tell. If you tolerate it, right? If yeah. you tolerate it. Like, well, so, I mean, it, well, it just, no, in it New just England, if you fight, out. you're going off the field. Oh, really? Okay. You're going off the field. Like that, that, first of all- So this is a culture conversation. This is a culture conversation. Like, so the first team meeting, you get to training camp. Look, you, here's the rules of practice. No fighting allowed. If mm-hmm. you fight, you, you're done. You fight, you miss practice. You're going inside. You're going inside. Nobody's nobody's fighting and staying on the field and talking about it. You're going inside. Mm-hmm. I talk about a major fight in the book. I'm not going to give it away here, but during the 2004, nice tease. 2014 like it. season, by Gridiron Genius, it's available on any of your uh, get that pre-order onliners. Yeah, pre-order it, please. And so my publisher's happy. But anyway, so like. You go off the field. That's it. You, I mean, Brian Stork uh, was an offensive lineman for us in the Super Bowl 49. We drafted him in the fourth round. He'd like to fight all the time in practice. He was getting thrown off the field every time. Mm-hmm. Like you're either you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. And when it happens, like that's not like there's to me, it's very clear. There's no discipline and order on that team. Is there also one of those where maybe Stork is smart enough to know that he didn't want to practice. So he gets in a fight and gets to chill out for a little while. Yeah. But here you go inside, you're paying a price for that, right? Oh, okay. You're not coming. Like, it's just, like, Belichick's going to come back around. It's just not going to, it. it's not going to, okay, here it is. You know, it's, it's conduct detrimental to the team. Yeah. So it's not going to work for you. Just going inside, you don't get the day off. You know, you mm-hmm. don't come back and assume your starting position. Like there's consequences to your actions. And let's talk about, uh, we, we just talked about, uh, you know, what they were talking about, you know, basically the fighting part of this practice, but we're going to talk about, uh, we don't stretch, we dance. So they don't stretch. And then Wiley, who became a, really a celebrity in this episode, the uh, offensive line a coach, cartoon character, Bob Wiley, I would call him more of a cartoon. I think character. he's like a walrus. You know, I like, I like Wiley, the Wiley, Wiley the walrus. Is, so people know Bob Wiley's been a longtime NFL head coach. He's, he's, he organized, and I think he's originator of the name, the Mushroom Club. So what he would do is he circulated a, a newsletter for all the offensive line coaches around the NFL and called them the Mushrooms. And so, because they're always in the dark and uh, with a bunch of shit on top of them. So, you know, and so he was the organizer of that. And he's kind of bounced around a little bit in the league. He kind of got this job coming back. But look, I, you know, it, it seems to me that you know, most offensive line coaches that I've been around, you know, are somewhat unique characters. And Wiley clearly is a unique character. I mean, let's look at some of these quotes that we get in this episode from Wiley. We get, I'd rather watch a plank road than stretch, which is very nice. Uh, he said that, you know, and he repeated this, two world wars. We got that two world wars doing push-ups, jumping jacks and running. Uh, we won two world world two world wars doing that, um, and then he's a zoologist as well. Uh, you know, talked about base of boars. That was a big thing that he had going on. So I just wanted to point out these great things that Bob Wally brought to the table. Look, uh, it, look this, I admire. It the just guys keeps that getting landed, better and better with the, the Browns. The, the more we see, the better it is. I do. I admire the guys that landed on Normandy. I do. I, I I admire them, and I think it's great. I I just think this. When I was worked at the Raiders, I had a large sign put in my office because it was important to understand this. The sign said, "If you don't like change, you're." like irrelevance even less because i was hoping when al came into my office Mm -hmm. he would look at it and say you know maybe i do need to change what i'm doing a little bit because we are becoming subliminal messaging yeah exactly it didn't work but obviously it was your form of inception you're right it's by eric shinisky of the united states army the former chief of staff of the army and so like i get that you know back in the 40s we didn't do they didn't they did calisthenics but change is good for the league change is good you got to be able to keep up with it so I, I don't i don't understand big bob i want to talk about uh the culture that we brought up and obviously we see the landry fight that was sort of the the, the climax the pinpoint of you know what the browns are going through right now 
Jabril Peppers is on the sideline, a, a, a star. Everyone remembers Jabril Peppers' recruitment, you know, when he goes to Michigan. And he's sort of, you know, I, I think we don't talk about him as much as we used to, but we see Peppers and he is uh, peppering Baker Mayfield with a lot of compliments. And Baker Mayfield shows some good signs on the field. Brad Paisley is in attendance. Uh, he lets us know that he has been a Browns fan since he was in third grade. This is a dream come true to watch this team uh, practice, apparently, for Brad Paisley. We find out Jarvis Landry is a fan of Brad Paisley because someone he rode to school with in high school loved him. So then he then fell in love with Brad Paisley. All this is all happening. And uh, and then we have the fight. And you brought this up last week. We were trying to figure out who is going to be the leader of this Browns team. And it's, you know, Hughes, obviously, there. And Dorsey, all these different characters that are on the other side of things, but on the field and Kirksey shows, right? We saw Kirksey show that he is the guy. He goes, Jarvis Landry gets in this fight with Mitchell over, you know, getting pushed down after the play. Kirksey was right there. He tried to break up the fight. He he wasn't able to do it, but he comes right over to Jarvis Landry and said, we can't have that. You can't have him breaking a hand. I can't have you breaking a hand. We got to be on the field. We know that we're playing for the same thing right now. And I thought that was a good moment to show that Kirksey really is going to be that force on defense. Yeah, I mean, because that's the message that's coming through, right? Kirksey's trying to deliver the message. It's, it's, it happens all through the episode. You know, like the message is not coming from the leader. The the, there's a lot of rhetoric coming from the leader. There's not a message. Like, let's just take, for example, the penalties, Tate Frazier. So Hughes talking after the game about how we can't have the penalties and that the penalties have to stop. Last year in the preseason, they had 47 penalties. Mm-hmm. They went 4-0. So they had a lot of penalties. They averaged over 10 penalties last preseason. This preseason, they have 20. They're averaging 10, two games. Like, okay, so that's clearly a case that it's not talking about it. It's how do we change it? Like, how do we change it? And some of these penalties now this year are unique because of the head first rule and the tackling. And mm-hmm. of course, they're calling offensive pass interference dramatically. And but, then the Jarvis Landry kick, the crackback block. Right. A lot of people I mean, were talking about that. So, but my point here is, is like, like to me, like you've done nothing as an executive of the NFL. You want to see, you go into the offseason, you say, hey, here are the things we need to work on. This is what we have to get better at. Okay. And so we were horrible in penalties. Are we improving that? Because that's got to be a point of emphasis. You just can't talk, hey, guys, we need to cut down on our penalties. Like, no, no. Players pay a consequence if they get penalized. Look, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember we had a game. We had this uh, linebacker, Eric Martin, who was a good special teams player, you know, and he was probably having the best summer camp we had in New England. And he was covering the first first game of the season. He had four penalties. Belichick cut him the next day. He said, I've never been around a player at four special teams penalties in my life. <laughs> like, he cut him the next day. Like, I, I, you can't play. If you're going to get penalties, you're not going to uh-huh. play for me, is what he's saying. And so, like, that's the reality of it. Like, you can't, and you're coaching it. Like, it, it's not like this problem just sprung up today. Like, this has been going on since last year, and you've done nothing about it. Yeah, all we all we got after the game was Hugh talking to the team, and he says, "We got to cut down on him." He said the discipline has to get better. That was the message. That comes from you. That's why you're in the same category as Norb Hecker and Hank Bulla and and Rod Dowhar morning, morning, week, because these guys couldn't correct it either. And that's my point. It's like, at some point, you just can't talk about it as a coach. You have to. It's all hyperbole. I mean, look, go back and look at Hughes' quotes after the 2017 4-0 preseason. We're headed in the right direction. This team's way different than last year's team. I mean, they're all the same that he's saying right now. Like, so why do we believe them? It's called, there's four areas of leadership. Again, I wrote about this in the book. And one of the areas is called management of trust. What you say, I have to trust, right? What you say, I got to trust that you're going to do it. If you're going to do something, you trust. You can't, what is he saying? I can't trust that. 
let's talk about what you're saying and what you're believing and what you're buying and what's real. And let's talk about a guy that they bring into the building that John Dorsey was very excited to bring into the building. And that is Des Bryant, of course, a uh, Cowboys wide receiver for so long, uh, a man that was a part of a core group under, you know, Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones. And he comes into the building uh, and he is talking to Hugh Jackson and he is asking for realness. He is not only not only is he just walking around the building, he's going and shaking hands of every single person in the building, making comments like, we'll see if I get signed. I look good in orange. You know, I played in orange Oklahoma state, all these little things are going on. And then he finally gets to Dorsey's office and has a conversation and then eventually goes to Hugh Jackson, but he's looking for realness. And, uh, this what is does that bad, mean? This is bad on every level. I mean, this this could be this this could be a documentary in itself. Really, I mean, you could just take this Hugh coming in the bill, this Hugh Des Doors, all these. I mean, first of all, I, I've been in the league thirty five years. Mm-hmm. I've never seen this in my life. I've never saw a player walk in and just all of a sudden just go roam around the building and shake hands with everybody. Like, I know, no, it's a professional atmosphere. It's a building. He's coming in to meet with the head coach. He's coming in to meet with the general manager. He's got an itinerary. You know, the guy who picks him up at the airport brings him to- Des came in like a pop star. He thought he was a pop star. Like Justin Bieber or something. I mean, it was unbelievable. Shaking mm-hmm. hands, hit the barbershop. Mm-hmm. Kissing I, babies. I come back yeah, up, yeah. You know, like, and then, you know, like, okay, here's the agenda. He's coming in here. We know that's going to be a little bit. We got to manage this. We didn't even work him out. Yeah. You know, so- is he in shape? I don't know. Well, we saw he went on the Cleveland Browns radio show for, you know, like 15 feet from the mic and said that he was excited about being there. And then they said he looked in shape. Yeah. That was, like, that was all we got. He looks, he looks in shape. Like, like how, like, why, why wouldn't you put him in for round? I mean, we worked out Reggie Wayne, who's, you know, one of the best receivers in football. Mm-hmm. He went through a workout. Like, like if you're bringing, this is a professional, this is a billion dollar industry and you're going to sign this player, not even going to work him out. Like, why not you take him in the indoor facility? You don't have to let America see him. Take him in the indoor facility. Let him do things to move around. I I mean, it's like, I've never seen anything like it in my life, Tate. It's so unprofessional. Like, I don't think fans should look at this and say that's how the other teams behave in the league because they don't. Mm -hmm. They don't. They have an itinerary. The guy comes in. He meets with this. You bring a player in. Like, let's just hypothetically, that guy walked into New England or walked into any place. He's going, here's what I want to do. I want to work him out at this time. I want this. He's going to meet with, I want him to meet with the Jimmy Haslam, the owner. I want him to meet with, you know. A wide receivers coach. The wide receiver coach. Okay. And then we're all going to get together. We're going to sit down of it. The meeting with the meeting with Hugh was so bad on so many levels. It was if you're if you're a cowboy fan, you're wondering like what does real mean? Like right? Like he all he was looking for was real. Like mm-hmm. I don't know what does that mean? You're a millennial. Tell me what that means. I think he he says he wants to be sitting at the table. So I think that was the whole point of Dez's, you know, he was basically like I've never been able to sit at the table with the head coach like Jason Garrett like I'm doing with you Hugh. So this is real to me because you're sitting face to face. Granted, they're not saying anything real face to face, but they are, I guess he's just saying, I wanted a seat at the table. I didn't get that in Dallas, which I mean, that, that is, you know, what, what it seems like the, the setup is in Dallas a little bit. Jerry is making decisions in Jerry world. And so Des was saying that, but it's not like Hugh was talking real to him. Right. Right. So, no, so I it's mean, a, it's a facade under the premise of being real. Right. Like this is the way the conversation should have been. Okay. If you really believe in your culture and you're building your culture, right. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing because you have to change the culture in Cleveland. That's what everybody talks about. We can't, we got to stop. We got to change the culture. Mm-hmm. Then Hugh should have had this conversation with him. Des, 
great respect for you as a player. Here's where I'm concerned about, okay? I'm trying to build something here. I'm trying to change the culture. I'm trying to make players accountable. I I need players that are going to compete, work hard, be unselfish for the team, and do the right thing. Now, I heard a lot of things about you. I'm an open book here, you know, but I can't, can't, if we sign you, I can't have you showing up late for meetings Mm -hmm. because that's what I hear you were in Dallas. If we sign you, I can't have you not knowing what to do in the playbook. I can't have you not studying the playbook, right? Because that's what they're saying down from people that know you from Dallas. So I'm just telling you, that's the word on the street, okay? And I'm trying to build a culture. If I bring you in here and we make that decision to sign you, okay, and you start to behave like you did in Dallas, I'm just being real with you, man. I'm just being real with it. If you behave like you did in Dallas, we're, we can't tolerate it. Mm-hmm. We're not going to tolerate it. It's not going to work because that's not what our program is about. We're about being on time. We're about efficiency. We're about doing the things that put the team in the best interest. That's the conversation. See, here's the problem with most coaches in the NFL. And this is why we have such a discrepancy between the great teams and just average teams. And that's why we see it. They don't want confrontation. Nobody wants to look. He Des was asking to be real. You want to be real, I'll give you real all you want. And you know what happened when you do that? Des would have walked out of there. At least you would have been able to say, you were told. Here's the co-. Now, maybe Des would have said, hey, that Lombardi guy's a crazy, crazy MFR. I mean, I don't know. I would never want to work there. Okay, <laughs> great. Fine. Mm-hmm. That'll sell some newspapers. No big deal. All right. I am. But if you are if you believe in the program and you believe you're developing the culture, you got a guy that's sitting in front of you that, yes, that has led the NFL in, inter- in, in touchdown catches, which is remarkable that Dorsey didn't know that, right? You know, mm-hmm. he's coming in and that kind of caught him. Like, wouldn't you have done your homework on this guy before he comes in? That's sort of, sort of my question was this became – this is the first time where I think we, we really realized and maybe the Browns realized that they're on a TV show. This felt like a reality TV. It really movie. did. Like, like it, was, it, it, it like, didn't I, feel like it had any sort of football angle to it, or other than let's get people excited about the idea that we could bring Des Bryant here. Right. Like the like if I'm Dorsey, I'm sitting there saying to myself, like how are, like every clip they showed on the tape, mm-hmm. right? Every clip that HBO showed, Des was covered. Yep. Now he came down with the ball a couple of times, but there was always jump balls. They were all jump balls. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how are we going to utilize this player? Like, tell me how we're going to utilize this player. If we have Josh Gordon lined up on the outside, and we have you. Jarvis in the slot. Jarvis in the slot. Guess where Des should be? In De- the slot. So in he and slot. Jarvis are in the same position. They're the same. So how's he going to play for us? And he's never played it. Like, to me, Des has, has a position that could be valuable. Like we talked about on Monday, Anquan Bolden's type thing, but he does never play in there. Now, I don't even know if he's in shape or not. Like, I, he hasn't worked out. We're th- this is They're going to have the third preseason game tomorrow. So he's going to start getting game checks. Starting, he's going to start getting game checks when the season begins, his contract's going to be guaranteed. You don't even know if he's in shape. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10 guys that haven't done this, they pull hamstrings. It happens all the time. I mean, look, Rokon Smith, unfortunately, what's he have? He missed most of camp. He's got a hamstring, right? Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. They're just not used to the wear and tear on their body. Like, it, like this is a professional football team. Act professional. Like, I don't understand it. Like, this guy's coming into your building. Like, sh- like demonstrate that you know what you're looking for. Like, Des, we're not going to tolerate that, okay? Here's what I heard out of Dallas. I, I'm being real. They say you're late. They say they had to go wake you up a lot of times. Say you fall asleep in meetings. That's the word on the street. Whether people want to hear this or not, that's the reality. That's what every GM I talk to in the league is talking about, about Des. Yeah, that's okay? why no one's bringing him in right that's now. That's why nobody wants to sign him. I mean, mm-hmm. Jerry Jones came out today and said he's shocked that, that, that nobody signed Des. Did he watch the tape? Like, Des is always covered. 
Now, could Dez get in better shape? Could Dez be a better route runner? Maybe there's some way to help him. I don't know. I'm not picking on Dez, but to me, I think Dez wasted a trip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, and- it, it's really bad. You know, and, and I don't know. I mean, it, it was irritating because I don't think this is not the way most teams operate. I'm just telling fans that. I'm not saying the Patriot way is the only way because that's what I know. But when we were in Cleveland the one year I was there before I got fired, we brought a player in. He was going to wear a certain uniform. He's going to come in. He had a meeting. He had an itinerary. Boom. We're going to go through it. I mean, it's going to be a professional. Yeah. And, and nobody's going to at the media. When you pick the guy up at the airport, you know, if his agent wants to come with him, that's great. The agent could sit in the lobby or wait there because there's no sense in you coming. We're not entertaining you. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't the casino. We're not hoping you play the slots here. You know, we're not going to comp your room, food, and beverage and hope you go play the poker table. Like, like this, this is this is a professional operation. I think this all can be epitomized in one moment when we're we're on the field and Hugh Jackson is, you know, he's having the celebratory moment and he's saying the phrase, the bird has landed. He's laughing, he's walking around, you know, gleefully, the bird has landed. The bird, of course, who he's referring to is Flash Gordon. Josh Gordon is going to be in Cleveland. He's coming to report to camp. And Todd Haley is right there, who is, you know, I think the voice of reason, the voice of reason for the most most of the show. He seems to just keep his mouth shut because he, you know, was just trying to do his job. But I mean, he couldn't he couldn't bite his lip at this point. And he says, has he been working out? (laughs) You know, he makes it like, has he been working out at least? And then Hugh, you know, kind of taking it back. You know, he thought that, you know, Todd Haley was going to give him a high five and like, you know, skip around with him. And he's just like, yeah, you know, like. I, yeah, I hope so. You know, and that goes back to we're bringing in Josh Gordon, yeah, or and he's coming in, and you know he, he looked, hasn't been working out. He looked, he looked, gr- he looked huge though. He looked like a big man, didn't he? I'll tell you this: Josh Gordon might be one of the most naturally gifted players no we doubt. have in the National Football League. Everyone knows that. Everything else that's outside of the football field is unfortunately what the problem is. And Josh Gordon, we didn't even see him touch a football. And at the end of that episode, they they play the song "Get Right," and he's just working out, running around. And if that didn't inspire you as a Browns fan, I mean, that guy's a that's a is a Pro Bowler. Look, a guy he had his best season the year I was there. I mm-hmm. mean, twenty fourteen, twenty fourteen. You know, threw the ball, made plays four down years the field ago. four years ago. So. Look, I, I think Haley, I would bet I would bet a lot of money that Haley's wondering why they didn't work out Des Bryant. And Haley's wondering, like, wh- who was working out Josh Gordon? Mm-hmm. Like, wherever Josh Gordon was, and it was top secret, and whatever he was doing, and that's top secret, the Browns knew where he was. You can do some some fact-finding. He's wearing an Anaheim Angels hat. He's the most Browns likely knew in where California. He was. Well, I don't know yeah. what he was doing, but you could have sent somebody there and trained him every day. Mm-hmm. There's no law against that. He could have had a trainer. You could have sent somebody there to watch him. Couldn't you just send like a like a regional scout or something that's out in California? Well, you would probably get... want to keep it confidential. So you mm-hmm. would want to send somebody that you know you trust and mm-hmm. you could watch the kid. And even if you can't get near the kid, you could sit in the stands and watch him. You know, but that's just to me, it, it just goes back to the whole thing. There's no plan. Oh, we got Josh Gordon coming in here. What's the plan? You know, he's in shape. You know, I, I just think to me, Haley, you know, Haley gets it. I mean, Haley gets it when he's talking about how about how about this? I, again, this is another, and I hate to sound like an old man here, but I never seen a conversation between players and coaches like the one with Nassip and, and Haley. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's un, that like that that shouldn't happen. Like shut up, you know. Like the coach come over, just shut up. That's enough. Like they're going back and forth on it. Like like that. That's not. That's what I'm telling you. The, the reality show and the fact that they are on camera. Plays a lot of, uh, I think it plays a big portion in a lot of these guys, and they're all leaning into the care. Like Roback, you know, is like doing this whole, you know, whatever act he's, you know, everyone's like leaning into being on TV now a little bit more than they were before. 
Oh, they love uh, it. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they all know. I mean, I think camera, Bob Wiley yeah. was like, "Look, I, I got a Maserati. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Come watch me." He was just in Winnipeg, right, yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah, Bob like, Wiley. Come, so now he's back on TVs yeah. on HBO. He's like, "I'll show yeah, you my white Maserati." Yeah, come, come watch me. You know, it takes a shot at his poor mother-in-law. I mean, come on, like that's just, that was that's not fair. You know, and so I he's mean, an amateur magician, though. We did we learn that, yeah, which I, is pretty I mean, impressive. But look, I, I think to me, to me, the whole thing is it's just you know the star of the episode was. Was the it Miles Garrett getting no, at the, the quarterback? Dog. The dog. Oh, I oh love Moose. The, Moose. I love Moose. I know. Although I have a rule. I'm going to tell you my rule. If Cat Stevens comes on any radio I'm listening to, it's immediately getting changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I have a Cat Ste- I have a strong, fast Cat Ste- I'm not listening to any of his songs. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going on the peace train. I'm mm-hmm. just telling you right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing the peace train. So that destroyed the whole dog thing for me. But like- Poor I, Moose. Poor Moose. Can't like, even get a music for him. I, I, it's horrible. But let, let's go back to that Nassip and, and Haley thing. Like That's right. Discipline and order. We don't touch the quarterback. That's discipline and order. Haley shouldn't have to say it. It should have been said from the beginning. And this whole conversation between Haley and Nassip is really about how segregated the team is offensively, defensively, and special teams. Yeah. Like, there's no unification. Mm-hmm. Like, Greg just, Williams is doing what Greg Williams wants to do. He's the head coach of the defense. Yeah. He's doing Todd what he Haley wants. is doing what Todd Haley wants to do. And Hughes just sort of roaming around, blowing the whistle. Like, I've seen, I mean, we got killed in Kansas City on Monday Night Football at halftime. I didn't hear Belichick ever. Like, it was about getting things right, trying to correct it. It wasn't about screaming. I think somebody should do a research project and count how many times Greg Williams says I in all of his talks. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, like, look, it's you're on a team. Wait, what word does he say more? Fuck or I? I at this point, yeah, I think I, they're both I, on the it's same all about page. Him. Like we yeah. had, you know, we had five sacks, three of them were unblocked. I had the best, bl- you know, we designed the best, like not we designed mm-hmm. the best, but I designed blitzes that you guys didn't execute. Mm-hmm. Like that wears on players. Like you can't, like we're all in this thing together. You know, I mean, look, the Nate Orchard, like, like nobody's talked about, which is fascinating. Okay, so Nate Orchard missed three sacks, right? But both times he missed sacks, he lost containment of the quarterback, yeah. which is the complete violation of any rule you have as a defensive player. And it was good to see Josh Allen step up in the pocket and make those throws. Exactly. If we don't contain the quarterback, mm-hmm. forget that sacks are irrelevant. Sacks are for guys looking to become head coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, we had 57 sacks. No, no. If you contain the guy in the pocket and force him to throw the ball from a tight pocket, you're probably going to get off the field. Forget the numbers. It's there. And I just think the eyes with Greg Williams just wear me out. Well, that's also, I mean, you just got to look at someone like Russell Wilson, who literally in college at NC State, the reason he was so dominant was he liked to let people rush up and then slide in underneath them. You know what I mean? Right. He wanted guys to get back right. at him so he could he, so the, he could go the, up. The coaching I mean, point there is not you missed a sack. Mm-hmm. You blew it. The coaching mm-hmm. point is we can't lose leverage on the quarterback. Yeah. There's a coaching point. It's a preseason. The kid needs to get coached. Nate Orchard, yeah. He's we just, need contain. We need contain. You need to play outside his shoulder, move him in. Mm-hmm. The guy's going to run around. He's a big, strong guy. We got to keep him in the pocket, okay? And when you get a chance to tackle him, here's how you have to tackle him. You know, and here's how you have to handle it. Like I like I don't see them ever practicing tackling. I know they were going through the bags, but you know, for a league that's changed their tackling rules, mm-hmm. and maybe they're doing it in Cleveland. I don't know, but if for a league that's changing their tackling rules, you would think they would practice tackling every day. Mm-hmm. But I don't, you know, I see them run through bags. I don't see them tackle. The interesting thing to me, you're talking about the defense and it being very. It's the Greg Williams show. We talked about Kirksey, who's leading this defense right on the field. Right. He is their linebacker that they're looking to. How many times have we seen those two guys talk to one another? Which which goes back to, you know, if you want to have it from the top down, every single person has to have a check and balance. And if Kirksey feels like he's a leader on the field but has no say in what we're actually going to do on the field, 
that doesn't build trust. And you talk about being real, it, it, it all it all kind of plays out that way. Look, I mean, they were 4-0 in the preseason. Hugh said they changed everything. This year, they're 1-1. One one. I mean, when you look at the numbers, look, I, I just think at some point, if you're going to be the head coach of the team and you're not calling the plays and you got Haley to run the offense, you got Williams to run the defense, you got your own special teams coach to run special teams, then you should be the head coach and act like the head coach and coordinate the team and organize the team mm-hmm. and give the team de- give the team information that could benefit them. Like, look, okay, if we're going to cut down on penalties, like if that's going to be a major theme of the offseason, because obviously it was bad for them, then show clips on penalties before. Like, emphasize what we're talking about. And and maybe they are, but I would think HBO would have showed it if they were had it. Like mm-hmm. it would and it would have put Hugh in a better light. Mm-hmm. So for me, like every time I watch this thing, I'm like, can it get any worse? Seriously, can it get any worse? All right, Lombardi, we're going to get one more point uh, before we get to break here. This is why we want the Browns on HBO. This is why we had the show Hard Knocks. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, Dorsey and Hugh and, you know, their outlooks on Dez and and Landry and this whole situation. And then uh, let's just let's just explain this. Well, I think it was a I think it was like Dorsey's hired a bunch of interns and he's trying to train train them about pro football and what to do when you bring a guy in. And so taking notes, research, all that sort of stuff. Research and doing all that, which is remarkable, which is great. Look, the best thing we could do in life is mentor somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, and teach somebody and like show them like, this is the way you do it. Uh, But like, for me, it was bizarre because, you know, John's sitting there and he just signed Jarvis Landry. And he answers the question of who's led the league in touchdown receptions from 2012 to now. And he answers Jarvis Landry, who A's never scored more than 10 touchdowns in a season. Yes. Okay, B. B was drafted in 2013. So was not in the league in 2012. So exactly. Okay. You know, and and the thing is, you just signed him. Like you just dealt for him. Like, okay, here's the thing about Jarvis Landry that's always been resonating with me. And we kid about Ferris Bueller, uh, Beckham. But what you can't kid about Beckham about is he scores touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Like the answer- He's a the, playmaker. Right. Yeah. He scores touchdowns, right? So Landry has as many receptions as Beckham did going into last year before Landry, mm-hmm. before Beckham got hurt. Mm-hmm. That but was the, a big conversation. Right. Who's better, Landry or Beckham? But the touchdown discrepancy was enormous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 35 to 10. You know, so like, how could you, how could you put Landry in that group? It's like, did you not watch this before? Like, and then to me, if you're letting HBO film this, don't Mm -hmm. put yourself in a bad light. Like, like, you know, do the, you had to have a stat packet, you know, when you signed the guy, right. right. You got to have something there. You know, it it reminds me of like, if you're going to let HBO do this, it happens on golf all the time. Mm -hmm. You, You ever watch much golf? Of course. Played okay. golf my whole life. All right. So when they, when they like when CBS or ABC or NBC, you know, they show some obscure golfer who we haven't seen for three hours. Mm-hmm. He's lined up over a putt from 45 feet. And you're like, what are we watching this guy for? Well, he's going to make the putt, right? Yeah, of course. You know, and the announcer's pretending like, oh, it's a 45-yard yeah, putt here. But and, like they're pretending that it's live. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we recorded This it, is Luke Donald, and yeah. Luke Donald has a 45-footer. Yeah, he's minus it. one on the day. Yeah. The leader's minus six, but we just need, you know, yeah, some filler time. we haven't seen him. He's on America's mm-hmm. Most Wanted. He can't, mm-hmm. we can't find him, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's been somewhere lost in the in the abyss. And yet he's, we goes line up for this 45-yard, 45-foot putt and, uh, he makes it. Oh, it's a mar. Like that's how you should set up your way. Like if that's if that was a, if you have approval for everything on HBO on HBO, what you do? Like if you're if you're John Dorsey, wouldn't you want to like look a little like make it? I'm not saying you should have guessed as Brian to make it look good, but guess not Jarvis Landry who doesn't score touchdowns. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's fact checking, right? I think someone probably gave him that stat. One of those guys that's doing the research, he probably liked the way it sounds, pat himself on the back, and then con- continued to spout it out to the world. And uh, got a fact check, folks. Oh, well. That's all I can do. We're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to come back and continue to talk about our favorite team, the Cleveland Browns. For over 20 years, DirecTV has been the exclusive home to NFL Sunday Ticket, the only way to get every live game every Sunday. Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded the service. If you live in an apartment or area where DirecTV service is not available, you can now get NFL Sunday Ticket without a satellite. To see if you're eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER, R-I-N-G-E-R, at checkout to save 15%. Student discounts are also available. Use promo code RINGER at checkout again to save 15%. And we're also brought to you by MyBookie. People always ask me for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out MyBookie. I always tell people to bet with MyBookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Not to mention, they have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Plus, for you fantasy guys out there, You can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So lay down some cash and win big today. You win, they pay. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code RINGERNFL to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code RINGERNFL when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Back to GM Street. Well, Hugh said it will be the greatest turnaround in sports history. This is when he was talking to Des Bryant about what they expect from the Browns. He he says it will be the greatest turnaround in sports history. That is no hyperbole. That is the words that he chose. Uh, He said the owners have given the players everything and we have to give back winning. This, This all goes back to sort of the same... You know, it all sounds good, right? But what is the plan to put that in action? Yeah, and and and, and I never see him condition either. And so, you know, yeah, they're opening up with Pittsburgh the first game of the year, and Cleveland will be hot, humid, and that game's going to come down to the last ten minutes. It'll be probably come down to the last ten minutes of the game, and who's in shape? I did notice that they tore the hill down, mm-hmm. so they did, there's no need for the hill there. You know, the Belichick hill that was built back in 1991, that's no longer there. So, and uh, that's like the punishment you're talking about in practice. Well, that's like, like look, that. look, look. I think this. I, and I see this and I watched every preseason game very closely this summer. Uh, I think that teams that condition are going to be the teams that have good Septembers. It's going to come down to their ability to win in the fourth quarter. There are a lot mm-hmm. of close games early in the season because nobody gives up. So it's going to come down to your overall conditioning. And every day in New England, they're running hills. It's not a punishment thing. They're just running hills. They're conditioning every day. Good teams have to run. It isn't every other day we're doing gassers. You got to run. I remember when we practiced against the Redskins in Washington in Richmond one year, RG, RG3 is like, man, they look like some Catholic league school, the way they practice over there, they run, run after practice. Meanwhile, the Redskins, they are just going inside it, you know. <laughs> it's the AC zone. Yeah, well, they're just going inside. Got a little Gatorade. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're just going inside. And I wonder why, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But that goes back, I mean, even going back to the lowest forms of any sort of sport, I mean, it does come down to conditioning. That's why all these teams have conditioning tests. And that's why you see sometimes in college, some of these guys, when they go to the NBA and you're like, why isn't so-and-so what he was at this point? It's like, 
because there was regimented conditioning. It was we don't talk out. about yeah. it. We don't talk about it. I mean, we don't even talk about it on TV. It's mm-hmm. like we don't even get to hear. Like the, you got to get in shape, you know. And how you get your team in shape is vastly different, right? The Rams are taking a different approach this year. It is sort of ironic because fitness is such a thing that is very talked about in, in like personal life. You know what I mean? People right. talk about fitness and trying to do things to stay fit, but when you talk about it in the professional ranks, we end up just saying, "Well, they have a nutritionist," and then we move on. Right, and then he looks fit, mm-hmm. you know. But what's his conditioning? I mean, what's mm-hmm. his? You think Des can run? Could you think he could run all day long? Like, wouldn't you want to know? Like, here's what I would want to know about Des. I want to, I want to have that heart to heart conversation with him. I don't want to, I don't need to be, you know, like jiving and joshing with the guy. I need, it's a business, right? I want to have that. Then I want to go watch him. And then I want to be able to sit down with the, with the, with the receiver coach, with the offense coordinator and say, okay, if we sign this player, when do you think this guy would be ready to play? Like, wouldn't you want to get, if you know going in that Des, has trouble learning the playbook. Wouldn't he did you, say he wants to learn, which is good. That's great. Yep. Tremendous, right? So wouldn't you want to get Des into a room and have him explain to you what Dallas does on offense? T- show us, let's go through a couple of your games last year. I think Todd Haley would. Right. Let's let's watch a couple of your games last year. Okay. T- tell me what you're doing here. I want to see uh, what was your thinking here. Okay. Here's how we do this. Let me give you a couple of concepts that we're going to run. And then we go out in the practice field later today when we have your workout. We're going to put these in and I want to see how you handle them. Like, I need to know, like, I need to know what I'm getting. What am I buying? Like, I'm just not writing checks here. Like, I need to know what I'm buying and everything needs to be handled in a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, but like, okay, Des is coming in. There should have been a meeting. Okay. Haley, Hugh, you know. Do we think Haley talked to Des? Des talked to the towel boys. He talked to the, every assistant in the building, but it doesn't look no like idea. he saw Todd Haley. I have no and idea. And who knows if Todd Haley even knew he was in the building at the I time. I have no idea. I mean, look, it, if Dorsey's going to bring the guy in, then Dorsey's got to say, here's the plan for how we're working the guy out. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, act like a pro. Like, and maybe they did. And maybe they worked him out and they didn't want to show it on the tape. So I forgive me for that. But it didn't appear to me that they worked him out. Mm-hmm. It didn't appear. Or else people would, you know, if they worked him out, they would know more about him. He wore a cutoff shirt though. So that that was that was enough to get the uh the interest peak there in Cleveland. I just want to talk about just some random things uh that went on with the Browns, just some random talking points. Uh we had Brad Paisley uh at practice and he's with John Dorsey and they're watching Baker Mayfield, which Peppers we we talked about was bringing up how great he looked. And uh Brad Paisley said he reminds him of Brett Favre. I, you know, I think they're doing I mean, look, if if players are believing what Baker's doing. And you're hearing all this positivity. How is he the third string quarterback? Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't add up. Like, are they promoting Baker? Like, what's going on here? You know, like, like last year, Kevin Hogan was like, I, I want to say Kevin Hogan last year had 109 quarterback rating, you know? At, and so, you know, Baker's having a good summer this year. You know, he's got a 104 quarterback rating, only completing 54% of it. Those numbers are insignificant. Mm-hmm. Like all these, like I, I tweeted out yesterday, you know, your boy Mitchell Trubisky, had a 106 QB rating, three touchdowns, no interceptions, mm-hmm. you know, and Deshaun Watson was just a disaster, right? And who had the better year, right? It, was, it wasn't even close. So this is all just, so like, if he's this good, how are we waiting this long for him to see him? And what's what's the wait for? You I know, don't know. That, that, that's sort of the, I think what everyone is sort of wondering. We've seen it sort of sort itself out in Buffalo with the injuries, with McCarron going down. And now it's, you know, Josh Allen. This is probably going to be his team. We've seen how it's played out in with New York and the Jets. I mean, they picked Darnold. So Darnold's our guy. Now we have Teddy as a trade chip. But in Cleveland, we have the Tyrod Taylor, which is now how it is pronounced. It is Tyrod Taylor. We found out that Lee Corso was the reason he was been Tyrod Taylor this whole time. So 
Congratulations, Lee Corso. You made up uh, this man's name for the past seven or eight years, but that's that's all in due fun. But we're, we're in a situation now where what does Cleveland want to do? Like, what is the message to send? Because if you put Baker as your third string, you put Drew Stanton as the number two. I mean, I, I know Baker seems to be like he's playing ball and everything is fine. But I mean, you're the number one pick, right? Does, it, does that come back at any point? Well, you get the number one pick, but you also got, it isn't like you're an expansion team. I mean, it isn't like when Troy Aikman went to Dallas. I mean, he was one in 15. Peyton Manning was one in 15 when he went to Indianapolis. Like, you're the first pick overall. This is year three, too. So, right. I mean, so I, you so got a John bunch of guys. Fox, John Fox is talking about last year. He wished that, you know, they start Glenn and they go one and three and then they bring in Trubisky. Not saying the, the, the tables turned by a large amount, but he said, you know, I, I, he'd only started in this amount of games. We didn't put him in because of that but maybe if I were to go back I would just throw the young kid out there just for the energy around the team having right. a guy like that I mean right. well because again I keep saying this constantly it's like you got to build your team around the quarterback like mm-hmm. what can he do yeah like he can't do everything so like what are we going to do with him and if we got this great skill we have Josh Gordon coming back we've got we've got the Jarvis Landry we got Carlos Hyde we got Duke Johnson and we got this offensive line that we've spent some money on like like why wouldn't we put him in there mm-hmm. we got a good defense okay so here's how we're going to play the game like here's how we're going to set up the game we're going to be better this way look i i don't i don't understand what they're doing I, whether they win six games or whether they win five games or whether they win eight games with tyrod taylor there's going to be enough bud light for everybody like mm-hmm. what are they worried about mm-hmm. there's a lot of bud light a lot of bud light at least I we mean, have a lot of refriger- refrigerators open with the bud light but, uh, but paisley like to me is gonna is he gonna buy the rv that's the other question like i think it's great that you know i love that brad paisley's a browns fan first of all i love old brown fans i mean because i was there for the I mean, I was there for the fumble. That was a cool little montage when they brought in the, you know, the Cleveland, you know, you know, uh, training look, camp from I like remember, the 1920s. Look, yeah, whatever. look, I, look, Paul Brown, he's in my book. There's a lot of, I, there are a lot of things that Bill Walsh did that go back to Paul Brown. It mm-hmm. all started there in Cleveland. All calisthenics. All calisthenics, the 40-yard dash, all that, you know, and so and there's great history in Cleveland. I mean, when I see that town of Berea and I see that, I can think of when we lost the, the, the fumble game. Or I mean, when Jim we, Brown. And I mean, when we beat New England in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. I mean, the town was energized. It was great, you know? And, and I remember when we moved the team and how deflated the team was. So, I mean, it's a great city and they love football. And I, so I admire Brad Brad for that. You know, I mean, if you got guys going to talk to the team, you know, you just want to make sure the message is like, hey, Brad, just talk to them about what it's like to compete every single day. Because look, Brad Paisley's going on the road, right? He's got to sing every single song. Mm-hmm. It's my whole theory about, about Born to Run. It's about my theory about like, Give him the message you want to tell the team. Like, tell him, hey, Brad, here's what you need to talk about. Because we talk about 10,000 hours of practice creates, you know, greatness. And that's what Malcolm Gladwell wrote about. But but I believe it's 10,000 hours plus the born to run theory, which is you got to have passion. When you see Springsteen, when I saw, I've seen Springsteen in different countries, he plays born to run like it's the first time he's ever played. Mm -hmm. Now he's got 10,000 hours and he's got passion. That's when you know you got greatness. Tom Brady's the same way. So, Give Brad Paisley the message. Hey, man, I go on the road. Every night's my Super Bowl. I got to play. You know, here's what I got to do. Give them it's the, the Michael Jordan thing. There's one fan here that has not seen me play, right. and I want to give them the show right. of their life. So every day you guys come out here, I hope, I hope I'm like you guys because every day I'm trying to admire what you do. Give him the message. Give him the message to give to the team. It's not his fault. He's, you know, he seems like a good guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he just, hey, thanks for being here. I'm, I'm really, you know, but he's an entertainer. And all these guys on the field, they're entertainers too. So teach them how to entertain. Teach yeah. them what it's like to be a professional to entertain. Absolutely. Uh, I want to do a quick tangent. I don't know if you've watched any of this, but uh, Alabama has been, they, they've been doing all access on ESPN. So they've been in Tuscaloosa with Nick Saban. They've had the cameras on. It, it's sort of the same thing as Hard Knocks, same sort of premise. They're, they're, just, they're just there all the time. So Nick Saban uh, is there. They bring in Kobe Bryant. 
and and Kobe Bryant, you know, comes in and speaks about, you know, the the chase for greatness and how you have to be obsessed with it, yada, yada, like giving all these notes. And, you know, all these guys are in the room, you know, they're just, you know, nodding their heads, paying attention. Nick Saban has a notebook and it's like, you know, he's in sixth grade and this is his first, you know, big week of class. And he's like writing down all the notes is fear. You know, he was completely locked in because he was like, I have to take bits and pieces of greatness from other places and try to continue right. to mold these guys all the time. So when you, you talked about that 10,000 hours with the passion, like Nick Saban, a guy that, I mean, think about these national titles. He should be worn out, should be gluttonous at this point. No, he's the but same he's thing. As, going. He's the same thing as Kobe Bryant. I mean, think mm. about the story that Kobe Bryant called the, the, the coach up and said, Hey, can you meet me at the gym at five? Yeah. You know, and the guy shows up there at five and works him out for two hours. And then the guy goes back to sleep. And then he shows up at, at two o'clock in the afternoon for the practice. And he asks Kobe, Hey, did you get any rest? He said, no, I've been shooting here all day. I I mean, like Kobe's like, he is passionate about his 10,000 hours, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, and same thing with Nick. I mean, look, you can watch Alabama and you can watch Cleveland. You guys make up your own mind. You Mm -hmm. know, if you think I'm being too hard on Hugh, watch Alabama. Cause that's what I've been a part of. That's what I've watched since that time I saw Bill Walsh coach since, and they're all different. Bill Walsh is way different than Belichick. Belichick's different than Parcells. Parcells is different than Sabe. They're all different. Mm -hmm. But when you watch a great coach lead the team, he's demonstrating these four areas and it's all about about like that one area would you just describe as management of self so that is he is he is managing. He's setting the tone for everybody else exactly around him. If, if coach nick saban's going to sit here and take notes I like this attention. i better be taking notes and right attention. because look they're watching me yeah I, i'm the leader Lead by of, example i'm the leader and they're mm-hmm. looking to see what i'm doing if i'm jerking off they're going to jerk off mm-hmm. so like you know and that's what's so disappointing about look the nfl is a is a difficult profession it's the to become a head coach in the NFL, Tate Fraser. It's a harder job to get than the United States senator. There's 52 of those, right? And it's, and it's not as simple as this owner wants to hire this coach. It is a very it's a, yeah, it's a, it's now a process. we understand something. It's not a selected position. Mm-hmm. It's an elected. It, position. It's an elected position mm-hmm. because you got to carry the popular vote. You got to carry the columns on the online. You got to mm-hmm. win favor with mm-hmm. the fan base. You got to sell it. You got to be the hot name. Hot yeah. name, even though you may not be qualified. You got to be all that. So, but then when you get in that chair, you better have something to you to handle the job. And that's what, when you see, watch Saban. I mean, Saban's learning from other people too. Mm-hmm. And it never stops. Uh, is there anything else from this episode? You know, I, mean, I think it, I, they're talking to a bunch of people around the league. Everybody's looking for receivers. It's really kind of a remarkable mm-hmm. position. I mean, you know, everybody's looking for a receiver. Uh, you know, I, I mean, Green Bay wants the receiver. I mean, I think if you offered Green Bay something for Randall Cobb, I don't know what they would take for him, but I think he's available. But I know his name's being shopped around. I mean, teams are looking for receivers. I think it's fascinating how the league is. It's one position that everybody, like take, for example, the other night, Monday night, we didn't talk about this on the pod because it was after the game, but when you watch Andrew Luck play, everybody's kind of obsessed with his arm and what, what you know, look, compare his arm to Peyton Manning's when Peyton Manning's now the different injuries. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Peyton had a neck injury. Couldn't really feel the ball, but you know, did he have, but you could tell Peyton didn't have a lot of velocity, even mm-hmm. on the short throws. I think, I think Luck can throw the ball. I think Luck's going to be able to throw the ball. I think right now they don't have anybody really Deion Kane getting hurt. I think affected the Colts team. I think, you know, there's not enough. There wasn't a lot of skill players on there. And then when you're watching preseason games, what happens to you because the scheme has to get players open and there's not enough scheme in these preseason games, the offense tends to look stagnant, you know? And so there's not a lot of, you know, spikes up and spikes down. So when you don't do that, but I, that's what I keep hearing around the NFL. A lot of teams looking for receivers. And speaking of Andrew Luck. And, and Dez is out there. Nobody's signing him. Yeah, that's what I, So that's the original point. I mean, we're all looking for receivers and we have, you know, but 
I don't, I don't know red chip, blue chip. I don't know what chip he is at this point. But Des Bryant is out there and has, you know, obviously a discernible talent that everyone knows. Uh, it just depends if you can put him in a position to succeed right. and they feel buy-in. Or they were all watched him. I mean, if you need a receiver, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, and every excuse me, everybody's looking for a receiver. So like if and he's out there and he's free, you can get him. You know, I think I, I would think that he would have more play than he has, but I think people watch the tape. Andrew Luck, speaking about him, that, that was the big talking point. He had this sit-down interview uh, where he talked about, for the first time really, because you know he had been so quiet for 18 months about the process coming back, how at one point he didn't know if he was going to continue to play football. He's happy to be here. Seems to be in a much better headspace. He went to a sports psychologist and and did the whole, ran the whole gamut on you know this whole comeback. So he seems to be, based on his interviews, it seems that the first time he's been candid enough to talk about things, he seems excited about the offense, the direction of the new team. It, it seems like all signs are pointing forward for Andrew Luck, right. even though a lot of people are freaking out over preseason stats, which, as we've said, Just are, meaningless. Yeah. Just meaningless. I mean, look, they're not scheming stuff. And I think once the season starts, you know, he looks like he'll get ready. They need their, they need their players back. I mean, that's what they need. They need their yeah, skill it, guys. Luck and T.Y. T.Y. Hilton's yeah. not out there, you know, so yeah. they need him. And they've got to be able to do it. Just like I wouldn't get carried away that Joe Flacco is having a great preseason because, mm-hmm. look, Joe Flacco should have a good preseason. He's a veteran quarterback. You know, the coverages aren't that complex in the preseason. You know, the game's a lot slower. Mm-hmm. Like, like, really, does it matter? You know, so I, I, I would say to me, I'm encouraged by Andrew Luck being back. I'm encouraged by his arm. I think he'll make all the throws. I, I think that there's no reason to think that it's him that the offense is stagnant. I think a lot of it has to do with the Colts' lack of explosiveness on offense, and mm-hmm. I think that's the challenge. And I think that division in and of itself, the AFC South, is going to be a lot of fun to watch because we have the Jaguars, Saxonville, you know, on top of the world right now. The Titans showed that they have some real moxie getting to the playoffs. And then you have the two teams that a lot of people always expect to be the teams to watch out for in the AFC South, at least in modern times, Deshaun, Andrew Luck, and the Colts and the Texans. So it'll be interesting to watch there. One more thing before we get out of here. Saquon Barkley, I wanted to ask you about. Um, he has missed, I believe, eight practices, uh, and he's nursing a hamstring strain, I think is what they're reporting. So we talked about that. I mean, you know, the the in shape part and just having to deal with some of the conditioning stuff. And Saquon, you know, first year in the NFL, and now he's been the darling, you know, yeah. going into the the season so far. And right now, he may miss you know, week soft one. T- soft tissue injuries are the worst. I mean, because they can linger. be because they can be prevented. It's mm-hmm. about hydration. It's really about hydration. It's about what are you doing with your body. You can avoid soft tissue injuries. I mean, that's you know, in Parcells' world and Belichick's world, soft tissue injuries are on you. They're not on anybody else. And ha- what you're doing, you got to hydrate. You got to make sure you're taking care of your body in between practices, you know, because then you can avoid it. And unfortunately for this kid, now you can look at it this way. Barkley, by missing all this time, he's not going to get hurt. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing, right? So you're not you're not worried about that. It's just getting him up to speed for the speed of the game. And hopefully this history, this, this hamstring doesn't linger all year. And uh, final thing, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, I saw his surgeon. This is the, the one of the stories I read this morning. His surgeon came out and uh, said he is just in absolute awe of what Teddy Bridgewater looks like on, looks like on a football field right now. He said he, he just honestly cannot believe that he looks like the same player before. So yeah, uh, I, that's I, all kudos I, to Teddy. I, I think that's an interesting comment by the surgeon because I think what happened in Minnesota was, and this is just hypothetical on my part, but I have a sense from being in the league that what happened in Minnesota was that the medical staff didn't tell the coaches that they thought this kid could play again. Mm-hmm. They thought it was going to be really limited. And so Minnesota passed on keeping him. 
and put all their eggs into the Kirk Cousins basket because Minnesota loves Teddy Bridgewater. Yes. They love Teddy Bridgewater. Yes. I mean, they love them as a leader. They love them as a person. They love them as a teammate. They love this work. Everything they believed in in Minnesota, Teddy Bridgewater stood for. And imagine if he could have been playing in the Dome. Right. So somebody told them they didn't think he was going to be healthy. And mm-hmm. I think it was the team doctor. And so now he's not healthy. Now the doctor's watching him and they're saying, you know, because I'm sure somebody in Minnesota said, hey, you, got, you guys told us this guy couldn't play. Yeah. You know, and so now he's coming out saying, well, he's got to defend his, he's defending what he's, Mm -hmm. so he's shocked by it, which is fine. I mean, we all make mistakes. Like I'm not trying to blame anybody. No, it's better when it's the positive of of the situation. And I love it. And I think he showed the NFL that he's ready to play football. And I think, you know, look, I, I don't know if there's two teams after him. I don't know if there's been any offers made, but I know this Teddy Bridgewater could lead a team to the playoffs. Like he did Minnesota in 15 and make them a better team. I could see the Denver Broncos taking a shot at him. Yeah, I, I again, I think if they get off the Case Keenum train and they admit that, you know, maybe they would do it. I could see, you know, look, Jacksonville's got to sit there and ask themselves the questions that keep coming up. But if you they could won't. bring the Miami boy back down to Florida. Miami should ask the same questions because yep. you don't know where you are with Tannehill. Mm-hmm. You know, Miami's in a little bit different situation. Their defense is soft. They don't play very physical. And if they get behind in games, it's going to be hard. That's why I think Miami will, will be the team, one of the teams that could, could be competing for the first pick in the draft because if they don't play a certain way, and Tannehill doesn't stay healthy, it could be dangerous. We will keep our eyes peeled. This has been another edition of GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. We will be back next Monday to cover all things that are happening this weekend in the preseason. We appreciate everyone listening, and we hope you all enjoy Hard Knocks as much as we are this season. We will be back on Monday. Thanks, Tate. 